Thank you, Brother Bell. Thank you, Center Rose Baptist Church, for the privilege it is to be here with you this week. If you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. I do want to thank you again for the wonderful hospitality, the excellent meals, and I may be speaking in Spanish here in a few minutes after that good uh, Mexican food, but I'm... Um, Piquito, just piquito, <laughs> just a little, amen, so I know a little bit of Spanish, not enough to, I know enough to get me in trouble, I learned a little bit in the carpet mills when I was working in Bible college, I was working with Francisco, Francisco was, was a Catholic, and he said, I'm a Catolica, and um, I tried to lay two gospel tracts, a Spanish one beside the English one, that was the same thing, and I tried to learn Spanish and try to witness that man, and um, he, we'd um, learn a few words, and I, uh, he would always, there was a young lady that worked in the office, she'd come through, and she's an attractive young lady, and she, he, was always, he knew we was preachers, a couple of preachers working there, and he'd always trying to get us to look at, he's, oh, yeah, yeah, see, see, and I said, no, 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 and um, so I finally talked to a friend of mine that was a missionary in Mexico, Spanish, he knew Spanish very well, and I asked him, I said, I said, um, teach me some Spanish. And I learned Jesus te ama, Jesus loves me. I learned Jesus miami, or Jesus, Jesus miama, Jesus loves me. Jesus te ama, Jesus loves you. And I said, I said, tell me what sin is. He said, pecado, pecado. I said, tell me what a sinner is. Picadere, picadere. And I said, okay, I got me a few words here. And so we was on break, and um, we were sitting on the, the um, air table there, and this young lady come out, and Francisco goes, ah, she, 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 she wanted us to look and make eyes at that girl. And I said, I said, Picado. He went. <laughs> he knew what sin was. He knew what sin was. I, don't, I didn't plan on saying none of that tonight. But I, I thank the Lord for, for um, being so good to us, for allowing us to be here, to meet new friends along the way, Amen. meet people we're going to get to be in heaven with early, right? Amen. But um, it's our privilege to be here, and thank you again for the, all the hospitality, a nice place to stay, and um, we just enjoyed it, and the week's just gone too quick. But Matthew chapter number 13 tonight in your Bible, um, let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to read 23 verses tonight. I know it's a lot of reading, but I promise you God's Word's much more important than what I've got to say tonight. And um, I want you to listen tonight, and... Um, I pray God do a work in, in our lives. You know, a lot of times the struggle of a preacher is to figure out, is trying to figure out, make sure he's got the right message. The right message. And I'm torn, and I, I believe I'm going the right way, and if I, I feel like I'm wrong, I'll, I'll try to stop and go another direction. But I believe this is the way we're supposed to be going. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you, God, for the day you've given us. Thank you for the good meal. Thank you for the fellowship we've had this week. Thank you for the work that you're doing, and I pray you continue to work in all of our lives. Lord, I need you to work in my life, in my family's Amen. life, in our children's lives. And God, none of us have arrived, and Lord, we need you. I thank you, Lord, for your word, and thank you for the Holy Spirit that comforts us and convicts us and, and teaches us. And Lord, you do so much for us, and Lord, you're so good to us. Amen. I ask you, God, to meet with us tonight. Help me to bring my memory the things, Lord, I've tried to study. And Lord, refresh me and help me, God. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to say Amen. what you once said, nothing more, nothing less. I pray that you'd work in our hearts. Pray that you'd give us ears to hear tonight, help us pay attention on purpose, help us not be distracted about what we need to get done tonight or tomorrow. 
And God, I pray that you'd work in lives. We need your help, God. Thank you again for loving us, being so good to us. We give thanks to you and praise you for these things. Lord, I've tried to uh, make sure I'm right with you. And Lord, if there's any unconfessed sin in my life, I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me and help me, God. Lord, to be able to be used of you tonight. Do a work we pray here in the service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter number 13. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell upon stony places, where there had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundred, some sixtyfold, excuse me, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he uh, shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. Now verse number, I'm not finished reading, but I'm going to take here, interrupt, interject here. Verse number 12 is always kind of confusing to me. If you just read it by yourself, it's really, really, um, it's hard to understand. So Jesus said, for whosoever hath to him shall be given. So God says, Lord says here, if you've got something, I'm going to give you more. And he shall have more abundance. But he said, if whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. So it's like saying, God's going to give people who's got something more, and people has got nothing, He's going to take it away. Right. And it doesn't seem fair. Right. But if, look, if you will, in the context. Look at verse number 11. Jesus answered His disciples. They asked, why are you speaking to them in parables? And He said here in verse number 11, He says, because it is given unto you. Who's the you? The you is the disciples. They're saved. Saved individuals. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries. Verse number 12, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. Who is the you? The you is referring to those that have something. What is the something? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Now let's read it again. Knowing that what the person has in verse number 12 is Jesus Christ. Okay, for whosoever hath, you got Jesus Christ, to him shall be given, and you're going to have more abundance. But to whosoever hath not, 
from, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Verse number 13, therefore speak to them. The them in verse number 13 is those that hath not in verse number 12. So you got those that have and those that have not. Those that are saved and those that are not saved. Those that know Christ and those that need to know Christ. So here, let's read verse number 13 again. We're going to pick up our reading. Therefore speak, speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. In them, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes uh, have they uh, closed, lest they at any time should see with their uh, eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Uh, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is, this is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places is the same, uh, the same as he that heareth the word, and Anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation and persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended." He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But, verse number 23, but he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, uh, some thirty. A lot of reading tonight, but I'm going to try to, like I said, God's Word is more important than anything I'll have to say, so I believe it's necessary. we got a parable here tonight uh, that's recorded, the parable of the sower, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter number 13, which we've just read, and it's recorded also in Mark chapter number 4, verses 1 to 20, and Luke chapter number 8, verses number uh, 4 through 15. A parable, the meaning of a parable... Is, is a truth that is given by way of illustration. So Jesus is given an earthly picture here tonight. He's given a, and a lot of times Jesus would take a, a, a natural or an earthly illustration to give us a picture of a spiritual, uh, spiritual truth. And that's what he's done here in the, in the parable of the sower. So we see here in verse number 1, Jesus has come out of the house that he was visiting, and he went down and he sat by the seaside. And in verse number 2, the people must have seen the Lord come out of this house, and, and they've come, and great multitudes have gathered unto him, 
and they wanted, to, they wanted to hear the Lord. They wanted to see Him do something. They was curious about what He was doing. And yet there's multitudes of people today that are just like these people that were looking to the Lord. They was look, there a lot of people today are, are looking for something. They want to see something. They want to see some kind of sign. They want to see some kind of evidence. And we see that today. Man's curiosity is always looking for something to feel the longing, like Brother Bell said earlier, uh, within their soul. Some people try drugs, some people try uh, uh, the needle, some people try the bottle, some people try relationships. The list can just go on and on of what people try to feel, like we said the other day, that God-shaped hole on the inside of their soul. But only God can feel it. Only God can uh, fulfill that longing. Here, there are three things that Jesus is trying to get across in this passage that I want to point out tonight. There's he wants us to see something. He starts out with saying, behold. Right. He wants us to see something. Not only that, he wants us to hear something. He says in verse number 9, look what he says. He, he says, who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. In verse number uh, 18, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. So he wants us to see something. He wants us to hear something. But more important than that, well, it's all important. But, all, but the third thing he wants is here for us to understand something. Amen. He wants us to understand something. Look at verse number 13. Five times in the scripture that I read tonight, we have a form of the word understand. Would you not think that God wants us to understand something when he repeats it five times? Look at verse number 13. Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they seen, see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Verse 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and ye shall not understand. Verse number 15. It says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand. Verse number 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. Verse number 23, but he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Five different times uh, is mentioned here about understanding. So God wants us to see something. God wants us to hear something. And God wants us to understand something. So um, it, it could have been that, that day that Jesus walked down to the sea. It could have been as he went out there onto the boat that he looked up there and, and he's using this parable, giving an earthly story with a spiritual application trying to teach these people. It could have been as he's sitting there uh, on the boat and the people up on the beach. And it could have been that as he looked up on the hill, there's this farmer that was broadcasting his sea. You understand what I'm talking about? Sticks that hand in that seed bag and he broadcasts that out. Could have been. And Jesus says, Behold! Look up there, fellas. Look up there. Behold! He said, A sower went forth to sow. So number one, very simple message tonight. Very simple message. And I want you to listen. Number one, Jesus. Number one, our first point is look. Look. Jesus said, Behold, look, it's a message to behold with our eyes. Why? Because, why, why are we to behold with our eyes? Because people are out there and they can see, but they really can't see. Right. 
They can see, but man, you say, don't you see what you're doing? They, they can see. They, 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 they got maybe 20-20 vision, but the things that are doing their life and you see the effects that's happening in their life and you say, I've been down that road that you're going on, sir, and I've been down the road you're going on, ma'am, and can't you see what's happening in your life? No. They can't see. They can see, but they can't see what's really happening. Why can't they see? Because they're blind. The Bible says... In 2 Corinthians chapter, I'm saying when I say they're blind, they're not physically blind. They're spiritually blind. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, in verse number 4, in whom the God of this world, who is the God of this world? It's, it's little g o d in the Bible. The God of this world is Satan, the devil, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Those that are not saved, they've not believed uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never put their trust and faith in Him. It says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image, should shine unto them. You see, Satan doesn't want uh, uh, any, uh, anybody uh, to get the real light of what's going on and see their, to, so they can see their need so that one day they'll go to heaven when they die. He, he wants them to go to hell with him. He wants to keep them blind. People are out there. They can see, but they really can't see. So let's look tonight at this parable. Number one, let's look, as Jesus said, behold, and let's look at a few things and, and see what we can see in the parable. Number one, let's look at the sower. Look at the sower. Uh, I'd say there's nothing wrong with the sower. Nothing wrong with the sower. The, the, the sower is a picture uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ working through the believer. You see, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, chapter number 9, in verse number 37 and 38, Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into uh, his harvest. You see, the Lord has a harvest, and we as God's children are supposed to be laborers in his harvest. We see here... We see here the sower. There's nothing wrong with the sower. Not only that, we're going to look at the seed. Look at the seed here in our, in our text. Uh, the, seed, the seed is a picture of the Word of God. If you went over and you read in Luke's account uh, of this uh, uh, parable in Luke chapter number uh, uh, 8 and verse number 11, Jesus said plainly, now, the, now he said in Luke 8, 11, now the parable is this. He said the seed is the Word of God. So there's nothing wrong with the sower, nothing wrong with the, with the seed, but something else we see here as we look uh, in our Scripture, we see the soil, the dirt. We look at, there's four different kinds of, of soil or dirt that God mentions here in our text. Nothing wrong with the sower, nothing wrong with the seed, but there is something wrong with the dirt. There is something wrong with the soil. Amen. The soil. What is the soil here tonight? I believe with all my heart that the soil is a picture of our heart. Amen. It's a picture of my heart. It's a picture of your heart. Amen. It's a picture of the hearts of the people of the world. Right. There's four different kinds here that we're going to mention tonight, and I want you to pay attention. First, we see the first kind of... Soil that we see is in verse number four. 
And it says, when, when he sowed some seeds, fell by the wayside. That's the first time. You say, what's the wayside? In Australia, we, had this, we didn't always have, when we, we were missionaries in Australia for almost 12 years, and we didn't always have sidewalks to walk on. Sometimes we, they referred to it as the footpath. Now, they referred to the sidewalk as the footpath too, but a footpath was a footpath, and that's where you walked. And when you walked on those paths, it was just hard, and it was dirt, and it was hard and hard and hard, and especially in times of no rain, uh, it would be very hard. And, and, and for something to grow there, it would be not very easy. It was hard ground. I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, a seed that fell by the wayside. Then in verse number 5, we have another, seed, another type of soil that's there. It says in verse number 5, And some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. So some seed fell upon stony places. And, and then in verse number 7, we see that some fell among the thorns. Thorns. And then, and then in verse number 8, it says here, it says, And then other fell into good ground. Good ground. The seed was given to all types of soil. You see that in our text? But you know there's only one that bore fruit. It was the one that fell into the good ground. Look at verse number 23. But he that received the seed into the good ground is he, that is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So we see here there's nothing wrong uh, with the sower. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the Word of God. We, I'm glad the Word of God is pure, is perfect. Uh, the Bible tells us the words of the Lord are pure. Words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Uh, they shall keep, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation. I'm glad I don't have a question about the pure, unadulterated Word of God. But what we have a problem with is, is us. It's me. It's you. We're sinners. We're born in this world, lost and on our way to hell. And we find here uh, that that um, uh, for uh, you know, it's talking about we're talking about good different types of ground here: wayside, stony places, among the thorns, and good ground. Good ground just doesn't happen automatically. I would say this: that any ground has the potential. To be good ground. When I say good ground, that doesn't mean I'm good. Just I'm still dirt. I'm still dirt. But it has the potential to receive the seed. It's ready. It's ready. It's ready. So how how do you, how good ground just doesn't happen? Uh, and for one to plant seed into good ground, there must be preparation of the soil. And for us as God's children to work among the harvest and we're trying to win somebody to God, if we want to try to get them to God and to see their need, there must be preparation of the heart. Preparation. Changing that, that seed that fell by the wayside, that hard ground or that stony ground or that ground that's infested with thorns into good ground. So that it can receive the seed. You see, only one out of the four in this one of the, out of the four uh, in this parable 
are the ones that bore fruit. Does that mean that Jesus only died for 25%? No. We believe, the Bible teaches, we know it teaches. Jesus died for the whole world, 100%, not 75%, not 50%, not 25%. He died uh, for 100%. The Bible tells, tells us in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 15, This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.6, who gave himself a ransom for all uh, to be testified in due time. So Hebrews 2 and verse number 9, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Every man. He died for all. Not just good ground. Not just good ground. He died for the hard ground. He died for the stony ground. He died for the thorny ground. And he died for the good ground. Not only did Jesus say, look, it's a message to behold with the eyes. Not only that, Jesus said, behold, he that had ears to hear, let him hear. So number one, we see, look, a message to behold the eyes. But number two, I want to say, listen. Listen. A message to be heard with your ears. Look, listen. Why? Because many are people out there, they can hear, but they can't hear. They hear what they want to hear. Many, many, the Bible says here in verse number 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because they see, see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. The Bible says in verse number 17 that many of the prophets desired to hear those things that the disciples were hearing from Jesus that day. Uh, he said, we find that many of the righteous uh, desired to hear and see the things that Jesus was saying and showing to the multitudes. So Jesus said, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower in verse number 18. Hear. So I'd say it's very important for us to listen. He wants us to behold something. He wants us to listen to something. And we need to listen to what this parable says. I want to focus in on number three. Number one, look, it's a message to behold with the eyes. Number two, listen, it's a message to be heard with the ears. But number three, learn. Learn, it's a message to be understood with the heart. With the heart. The Lord is wanting us to see that three out of these four did not get saved. Why? Because they didn't understand. Do you realize that reading down through here in, in verse number 13 through verse number 23, all of these, the one that fell by the wayside, the, well, the one that fell by the, among the, the, um, the stony ground and among the thorns, it said they never, another one of them said they understood. But the one that understood is the one that fell into good ground. So it's very important that we, as God's children, when we're dealing with somebody about, with the gospel, that we make sure they understand. Amen. They understand. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, I beg of you to listen. 
Because the key for you to really getting saved is understanding some things. Amen. Understanding some things. I read the verses earlier. Matthew chapter, the, the words understanding is mentioned five times. I'll not reread them again. Matthew 13, 13, 13, 14, verse number 15, verse number 19, and then verse number 23 again. I'll read that verse. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. In Luke's gospel, Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 15, the same parable. It says, but on the good, but on the good and ground, excuse me, start over. But on that, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart have heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Our Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter number 20, Acts chapter number 20, and verse number 21. Acts 20 and verse number 21. I'll read verse number 20. It says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks that it is repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, uh, repentance and faith are both necessary for salvation. Amen. They're inseparable. Repentance is repentance and faith is faith. They're two sides of the same coin. It says, okay, I was going this way in my life and God dealt with me and I repented and I turned towards God. Repentance is a turning. It's turning. And, and I, I, I turned from my sin and I turned to God and I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's repentance. Salvation is repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, re, there's people that repent but have no faith. There's people that have faith but they don't repent. Repentance alone I will not save and faith alone will not save. It's repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. With that being said, I'd like to give a little bit of my testimony tonight. Think about testimonies. Everybody that's saved has a different one. But a true testimony, a true salvation testimony will lead to Jesus Christ Amen. and salvation. When I was 10 years old, my parents were still married at that time. We was attending a Southern Baptist church. It wasn't, wasn't a liberal one. It wasn't a real strong one, but it was, a, it was a fairly strong one. Still preached the King James Bible. We was having vacation Bible school, and my mother was one of the workers and um, I was in the classes, you know, in the, in the vacation Bible school. And I, as, as a young boy, like I said, I was 10 years old. I'd seen people go down the aisle. I'd seen people go down and said they got saved. I'd seen them cry and rejoice. And um, I thought, you know, okay. And, I, you know, I didn't really know much about uh, salvation or anything like that. And um, my mother was working in one of the classes, and I wasn't in her class during that vacation Bible school. And somebody come by and said, Knocked on the door and said, the pastor's in his office. Does anybody like to get saved? I was a shy young man. I'm still pretty shy. Usually I'll, I'll sit by and, and not say nothing. I'll just listen. That's just my personality. And um, several people went, went out and said they wanted to get saved. After the classes were over that day, I went up to my mother, tugged on her and said, 
I want to get saved. He said, okay. Took me to the pastor's office back by the door. Went in there. Went in there and I prayed a prayer that he asked me to repeat. I come back out. My mom and the pastor's wife are sitting on the back pew. And I come back and told mom. said, I got saved, mom. And I didn't even cry. <laughs> Thought I was tough. Yeah. Ten years old. said, I didn't even cry, mom. I didn't even cry. Ten years old. Put me through the baptistry, gave me a baptismal certificate. Several years later, my, my, my best friend was the pastor's son all through school. We're still good friends today. He lives down towards Dallas. And um, um, he's concerned about me because my life didn't show Christ as a teenager. We'd ride the school bus. I had a filthy mouth. I had no evidence of salvation in my life. You know, he, he asked me, he said, Ellis, I'm concerned about it. He said, are, are you saved? And I said, yeah, I'm saved. Your dad saved me. I said, your dad saved me. I'm saved. You know what? I had no understanding about salvation. I started, my, my parents divorced when I was in the, when I was in the um, sixth grade, and um, I just got mad and said, I'm giving up, I'm not doing anything, and tried to punish my parents by just quitting. It didn't work. It didn't work. I hurt myself instead of hurting them. I probably hurt them too. And I started going down the wrong path, being influenced by the wrong people. Didn't get into drinking or drugs, but pretty close. Mom was really worried about me. And um, she said, son, would you come back to church? Would you come back? I said, no, mom, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'd, I'd tried some, you know, back and forth. And they'd got a new pastor in town, and they'd called an independent Baptist preacher. They didn't know what they called, what they'd called. And it was a good thing for the church. And um, I was, to get my mother off my back, I said, okay, I'll come. I'll come. So I had a nice little car. Pastor took interest in my car, and I thought he's taking, you know, I thought, man, this guy, he's all right. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. And um, so I started coming. I, I never heard preaching like that before, before Brother, Brother Bill. Never heard preaching like that. And he was, you know, things were different at that church, different that preacher that I'd heard before. I remember, I was 16 years old. We was all standing after service one night at the back. We was talking around about different things, about being saved and everything, and he, he looked at me and he said, you're saved, aren't you? I said, yeah, you, uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm saved. He said, you better more than think you're saved. You better Amen. know you're saved. Amen. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. And um, I got home and I was thinking about that. And it's bothered me. It's convicted me. And I... Got to, t got to Tuesday, and I said, Lord, I'm not saved. I'm going to go and talk to that preacher. Wednesday night, after service, I said, Brother, I'm not saved. And he said, come on. Went to the altar, and he said, repeat this prayer after me. And I repeated a prayer after him. And I said I got saved. 16 years old. I started trying to 
Do everything he preached about. I tried to clean up my mouth. Quit cussing. I burnt my rock and roll tapes in the trash barrel. That was hard. But something was nagging me on the inside. Something was nagging me down in. Something wasn't right. Something wasn't right. And I kept doubting. I kept struggling. And I went for almost three years trying to figure things out. I was clean on the outside, Brother Bell. Listen to good music. Dressing right. Quit going to movies. Quit doing this. Quit doing everything a preacher preached against. I repented. I repented. You know what I did? I turned from my sin. But my faith was in the wrong spot. I was trusting in what I was doing. I was trusting in my own works. I was trusting in being a good person. I was trusting in everything that I was trying. Was, I was becoming a religious Pharisee. Went to church one night. Evangelist preached on the road that leads to hell. And he preached on the many lanes on that road. And he's preaching on the religious lane. And I knew, I don't have time tonight to go into all of it, but I knew I was lost. Amen. Clean, wearing a suit, carrying a King James Bible, coming to church, going to nursing home, doing ministry, going on visitation, doing right. But something wasn't right on the inside. Amen. I went to my pastor and I said, I am not saved. He said, go down there and chunk it all. Chunk it all. Get rid of it. I'm not trying to confuse anybody here tonight. I'm trying to give you my testimony. If you got saved the first time, praise God. Praise God. But I want what you got. What I want what you're experiencing. I want to be real. Real. You say, what, 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 got, what changed when you went down on October 25th, 1991, when you was a 19-year-old man, young man? Not a lot on the outside. I've been cleaning up. I had it polished. I'll tell you what changed is what was on the inside. It was the peace. That peace that passeth all understanding. You see, I didn't get saved the first time. I made a profession when I was 10 years old. I didn't get saved the second time when I was 16. Why? I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I had a heart, just like we all got. You say, well, I know my heart. I've got a good heart. You're wrong. Our heart is deceitful. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. It says, who can know it? The verse says, it says I, the Lord, know it. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. God knows your heart. Our hearts are all wicked, and, but all hearts have the potential to be turned into good ground. 
good ground that can receive uh, the Word of God that Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so, that Jesus Christ took my place and your place on the cross to bear our sin, to pay our sin punishment so that we won't have to pay for our sin in hell. There's two ways to pay for your sin. One is to accept the payment of Jesus Christ. Two is to pay for it yourself for eternity in hell. I'm going to take Jesus. I'm going to take Jesus. I'm going to take Jesus. Since, since the good ground's the only one that produces the fruit, and that we're, since we're supposed to be laborers in, his, in the Lord's field, we, as God's children, need to know how to produce good ground. How can we take ground that's hard, ground that's stony, ground that's thorny ground, and bring it to good ground? How are we going to do that? Real simple message here tonight. Number one, well, I've told you, I grew up on the farm down in southwest Oklahoma. My granddad acquired some land through the years, buying, and some of that was virgin land. It had never been cleared. Trees and brush and scrub and blackjacks and briars and roots and stumps and all kind of stuff. How are we going to produce good ground? Number one, you've got to cut the timber. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's just plain tonight. You've got to cut the timber. You ever flown the airplane, look down, you see all that, those pretty trees and all those different things? But that tree's a covering. That's a canopy. It's, 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 a, it's a layer that's covering it, and you really can't see what's there. How are we going to produce good ground? We've got to cut the timber. You see, uh, the, the, the trees and the foliage, they cover the ground, like I said, and you really can't see what it is. And what it is really is a covering. In the spiritual side of it, it's a covering of self-righteousness. It looks pretty. It's a covering. Uh, you think about uh, uh, um, Adam and Eve uh, there in the garden. Uh, they, were, they were not ashamed they, until they knew they were naked. The Bible tells us over in the book of Genesis, excuse me, verse number, um, chapter number 2. I'm going to read a couple of verses there. You just listen to me. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number um, 25. Let me get over there. Genesis chapter number 2. And verse number uh, 25, the Bible tells us here, and they were both naked, may, uh, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It says in chapter number 3 and verse number 7, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What they do? They made a self-righteous covering. They made a covering uh, of, those, of those fig leaves. And uh, the Bible tells us in um, Isaiah 64, in verse number 6, but we're all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Adam and Eve, they tried to hide their sin. And most people today, uh, uh, most lost people today don't even know that they're lost. Why? Because they're blind and they can't see and, the, and they're deaf, they can't hear. They, they can hear, but they can't hear. But we see here uh, that they had a covering. We need to show sinners 
as we're dealing with them. And if you're here tonight you're, you're, and you're lost, you need to know that you're naked in the sight of God. That the self-righteous covering that you have, the things that you're putting on, the facade that you have, will not get it. it won't, you won't hide it from God. God sees the heart. How do we produce good ground? Cut the timber. Secondly, to produce good ground... You can cut the timber, but man, it leaves a mess. You're going to have to clean out the stumps. You're going to have to clean out the stumps. You see, when you cut the timber and it leaves all the stumps and all the roots uh, left behind and when all of our self-righteousness is removed and you see yourself uh, like you really are, lost and undone, Brother Bell, when I was under conviction, like I said, I didn't get saved until I was 19 years old. And when I was under conviction, I was clean on the outside, but God was dealing my heart. And brother, I felt like I was the worst person that ever lived on the face of the earth. My heart felt so black. God was dealing with me, showing me what I was. I was lost, and I was on the way to hell. And that self-righteousness had been removed, and God had, rem- cut, God had cut the timber. And He had left me out there and showed me what I was. Just a bunch of stumps. Looked awful. Felt awful. God was dealing with me. I'd never smoked a cigarette, never done any drugs, never took a dip of uh, tobacco. Mostly, the reason I'd never done those things, I was scared to death of my daddy. He proved to me that he would do what he said he would do. And I feared him. I thought it never drank a beer, but I'd go out with my friends and I'd drink one of those IBC root beers. I hated it. It was awful. But I'd drink an IBC root beer because it looked like I was drinking. I wanted to look cool. How are you going to produce good ground? You've got to cut the timber, remove that layer of self-righteousness. Clean out the stumps. See what, what, what you really are. Have you, ever, have you ever seen an area where it's left been nothing but the, 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 the machines have come through and the dozers have come through and the timber cutters have come through and it's, it looks awful? Oh, have you ever really seen yourself? Have you ever really seen yourself like God sees you? A sinner on the way to hell. Oh, I think about... Isaiah, in chapter number 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and God, uh, you and your God, and your sins have had his, hid His face from you that He will not hear. We need to help sinners see their need. Let them see themselves as God does. How do we do that? Well, we, we don't tell them that God's a good old boy upstairs and he'll accept you. Just be what you be. Oh, no, no, no. We tell them the way salvation is. We tell them that, that it's not our way. It's God's way. There's one way. There's really more than one way, but not to heaven. Proverbs 14 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Seems right. I'm going right. There, there, it's, I'm going that way. It seems right. There is a way, Brother Glenn. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof, the ways of death. Got to end the road. Man, it was the wrong way. 
But Jesus said in John 14, 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. I'm telling you, it's not, by, uh, it's not our way. It's not uh, doing it the way we want to do it. Salvation is God's way. Salvation is not of works. It's not by being a good person. You can't get there by doing what the way you want to do it. You think, well, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, God will accept me. Maybe if my, my good things that I do will outweigh my bad things that I do, maybe God will let me in. No! Because the Bible says, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 and 9, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing and regeneration. That's Titus 3, 5, excuse me. Two, Ephesians 2, 8 9, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Oh, it's not by what we can do, it's by what He's done. And we must accept the gift of salvation. It's not of works. We need to explain to a sinner the need of the Savior. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you need the Savior. He's not going to accept your way. He's not going to accept your works. Salvation is through Jesus and Jesus only. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. How are we going to produce good ground? How are we going to be able to get a, a lost person to the point to where they, that hardness and, and their hard soil and that rocky ground and that thorny ground is changed into good ground? How are we going to prepare that and change that to produce good ground so we can plant the seed of the Word of God, so we can see it germinate, so we can see them accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, so we can see them grow and, and come to know the Lord? How are we going to get it to that? Cut the timber. Clean out the stumps. You don't stop there. You've got to cultivate the soil. Right. Have you ever, like I said, I grew up on a farm, grew up as a young man riding the tractor with my granddads and looking back and I just watched that dirt turn. It turns. Turns. You ever seen that dirt turn the plow? You ever seen it? You say, what is, what is that spiritually? It's Conviction. When your heart starts doing that and it's turning and churning and turmoil and you don't know what's going on, you say, God, what's going on in my life? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Why am I feeling uh, like the scum of the earth? Why am I feeling like the lowest person? Uh, you know, why? Why? What are you doing in me? Lord, you're showing me this. It's turmoil. It's conviction. There was a verse that kept bothering me. With Glenn, like I said, I'd made that profession. I'd tried to clean up my life at 16 years old, and for almost three years, I was just going through struggle and doubt. And there's a verse that I couldn't get away from, and I'm about to read it to you. Isaiah chapter number 57 it says, verse number 20 and 21. It said, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Amen. That was where I was living. Yes. It was where my heart was churning in conviction and turmoil. And it was just like that. The wicked are like the troubled sea. I was continually troubled. God was continually uh, working on me. And it says, whose, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. It says, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And that's where I was. I had no peace. And I had to say, that's me, God. That's me. I'm wicked. I need to be saved. 
John 6, 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me. I'm glad he didn't stop there. The verse didn't stop there. If he, said, if he stopped there, no one would have been saved. The verse didn't stop there. John 6, 44, he said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. You know what that is? It's that turmoil of conviction. It's God drawing us. It's God taking the sweet Holy Spirit and just dealing in our hearts over and over again and showing us our need to be saved. John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I read the verse earlier, Acts 20 and verse number 21, testifying uh, to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said it two times in the same chapter, Luke 13, verse number uh, uh, 3, and also in verse number 5, Jesus said, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. He said it two times. Jesus said, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. It's not just repenting, it's repentance toward God and faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Ma'am, sir, if you're not saved, you need to repent and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We as God's children, we that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and truly saved, we're trying to get somebody to know the Lord, we're trying to get them to that point uh, to where they'll uh, call on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can help them in some ways. We can help them uh, uh, to see uh, their, their, their righteousness and use the Word of God and show them that their righteousness is as filthy rags. We can use the Word of God to show them of their need of being saved. But it takes the Holy Spirit. Yes, Amen. It takes the Holy Spirit to convict a person and to draw them to the Savior. It takes the Holy Spirit to make a sinner's heart understand their need to be saved. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth. Verse 22, he that received the seed among the thorns, he heard the word. Said he heard it. Said the one that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word. He heard the word. Others, they heard the word. But the only one that understood is the one that fell into good ground. I'm not saying it takes good people, you have to, only good people can be saved. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. All sinners on the way to hell. But there's four conditions of the heart, and that good ground has been prepared. That good ground has been churned. It's been, it's, it's been prepared to receive the seed, and it's an understanding heart. A lot of people only see. A lot of people only see it. A lot of people only hear it. But not many people understand. You have to understand that you're a sinner. You have to understand that believing, that, that believing in Jesus Christ does not save you. You say, what do you mean, Brother Ellis? I, most everybody you ask, they, you, believe in Jesus? you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him. Well, they say, I believe. 
But Romans says that we're to believe in our heart. I'm going to give you an example. You might have seen it before or not. The difference between head belief and heart belief. Head belief is I can look at this bench right here. And I can look and I say, it's, it's pretty strong, Brother Bell. I believe it will hold me up. That's head belief. But heart belief, Brother Glenn, that looks a strong bench. And I committed myself to it. I'm resting in it. That's right. I'm resting in it. I've committed it. My faith to it. It's heart belief. Or I can believe it in my head. But there's a difference in believing in your heart because it's commitment. It's getting in. You've got to understand that just believing, just believing in your head is not going to get you there. You've got to understand that just because you prayed a prayer, it's not going to get you there. It's, it's got to be in the heart. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness. We must repent of our sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to close with one verse of Scripture. Romans chapter 3. I want you to turn there, please. Romans chapter number 5. Excuse me, Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. And verse number 25. Let's back up and read a little bit. Verse 23, great verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me and that's you and that's everybody. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace. That's pretty good, isn't it? I can be justified freely by the grace of God. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25 is what I want you to get to whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And I'm going to ask you tonight, what are you trusting? Our verse here, it says that our faith is to be in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not trusting in what I've done. Nope. I'm not trusting in what I'm going to do. I'm trusting what He's already done. Amen. He shed His blood for me. I've accepted the gift of salvation, applied it to my heart by repenting of my sin and trusting Jesus Christ as the only way. I ask you tonight, are you really saved? I ask you here, friend, tonight, sinner friend, why aren't you saved? Why are you putting it off? If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, why are you gambling with your soul? Every time you get in your vehicle and go down the road, you're gambling with your never, never dying soul. We're going to stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're going to ask